Come on, what a great day to be in church. Praise the Lord. Man, it is a great day. Thank you for being a part of our church service today. My name is Mike Burnett. I get to serve here as lead pastor of our church, especially if this is your first time with us or maybe the first time back in a long time. Uh, many of you may be traveling in for holidays, and we want to say welcome to you. Also, those of us who are joining us digitally online through our online campus or through any of our video services, we want to say welcome to you and thank you for being a part of our church. Hey to our Austin P State University campus, as well as East Valley Dream Center campus in Phoenix, Arizona. We love you guys. We're so thankful. Can we say what up to our whole church family? Come on, everybody. What's up? We're glad you're here. Uh, hey, I want to say thank you again for your flexibility. And I'm just saying this so that you remember when you're sitting through a video service. Come on, somebody. Thank you for uh, your flexibility. We're incorporating video uh, sermons at every location. It'll always be the same message that we're preaching at every location, but it's a healthy way for a preacher to survive four services every weekend. Now, by the way, let me just shout out to my wife, Stephanie, who crushed it last weekend. Come on, everybody. Man, she preached a word. And, and honestly, she, I told her, I was like, hey, we can use video for one of the services if you want. She goes, no way. I'm bringing my A game all day. And she absolutely killed all day long. Uh, but then at the end of the fourth service, she looked at me and she goes, okay, I retire. You know, so she told me 20 years, don't ever make me preach. And then I have a preach and then she quits on me. So great job, Stephanie. Thank you for that amazing word. You're an awesome pastor here. We thank God for you. But thank you for your flexibility with video services. And honestly, anytime we have guest speakers or even just for me, I mean, it, it, it allows us to get through four services for the long haul. And how many of you uh, are thankful as we add new locations and campuses, we want to keep video uh, in the same uh, same message at every location, so thank you for that. Uh, hey, by the way, I want to encourage you and thank you for your generosity one more time. We're, we're in the season of the year where all your kids are giving you their expenses and their list for what they want. Did you know Christmas is in like five weeks? I know, like bemoans. It's been coming all year, guys. What's going on with you? But I, I just want to say as you're making plans to be generous during the holidays, I want to encourage you, uh, let, let God grow some generosity in you uh, for his house and for what God's doing through his church. I, I do want to tell you some ways that your giving is making a difference. By the way, you can give online through our app, through the mail. You can even text to give, or we have boxes in our lobbies at all of our locations for you to give to your church through tithes and give offerings. But I wanna tell you about a couple of ways that your giving made a difference this weekend. Saturday morning, we gave away 1,500 families, got turkeys and drinks for their, their Thanksgiving meal with our turkeys for troops. And your giving, as well as partnership with FNM Bank and James Corley Chevrolet, and the Maynard Family Company, we got to make a difference for families around the city this, this weekend with that. Also at our football game at Austin Peak State University, which was another W. Come on, somebody. Uh, we were part of the rally towel. We had the rally towels, which is raising thousands of dollars for clean drinking water. So thank you for that with Convoy of Hope. And then today, our bags by the bumpers, like Pastor Mark said, we love partnering with our, our friends in Waverly, Tennessee, and through APAC. We're providing Christmas gifts and Christmas uh, supplies for families that lost everything through that flood just a few months ago. I told you when that happened, we'd be there for the long haul, and we are. And we thank God for APAC and their input there. So you're giving today is making a difference for them this Christmas. Giving's always excited. It blesses others, but it builds and blesses us. I've never met a grumpy, generous person. You ever give a, a birthday card with a $20 bill and you're like, here's your stupid card, kid, get out of my face. You know, like, I've just never seen a grumpy giver. There's something that it does in us. Now, maybe the first time it's a discipline and you're like, yeah, but ultimately you feel, it, make, it, make, it grows you and it makes you feel better. Um, it's an unexpected consequence of being a generous person. There was a time in the Bible where God's people were building the tabernacle. If you look in your Bible in Exodus 36, you can read the whole story. But God had given instruction to Moses about building a tabernacle. And this would be kind of the mobile church, if you would, of the day, where they set up a place for worship, teaching, 
discipleship, uh, prayer, and outreach and ministry to the community. And the people got so excited about giving to God's house and doing, being a part of giving towards what God was doing. It literally says that they gave more money than they needed for the project. In fact, he's the first preacher in history, and I think the last, that was able to come to his people and say, don't give any more. We have more than enough to complete the contribution for building the church. I dare you to make me the second pastor in history to go, please don't give any more. God's done everything he wants to do, Clarksville, LifePoint. Their project was complete, and they funded it. Why? It's not because of manipulation and arm twisting. Please hear my heart when I say this. Some people have said, you know, churches like that, they're all about money. We ain't about your money. Are you kidding me? You don't ever need to give here if you ever feel manipulated or arm twisted. We believe giving is a part of worship. We believe giving is about making a difference beyond, like where you can't serve, you can send servants through your generosity. You hear what I'm saying? And it changes us. This project, it was funded in Exodus 36 because they were excited to bless God and to bless others. So I wanna challenge you this year uh, to let your excitement grow in this area of generosity and let your passion grow. And, and I, I promise you as your pastor, we'll always steward what you give well, we'll be generous with what you give, and we'll always be clear if you ever have questions about how the, the generosity is used here at this church, we always give that information away. So however you give, let's let God grow that excitement of generosity. And by the way, you can t- test it out on your family this Christmas too. Like every time you, you buy that gift, don't go, I gotta go get something for Aunt Susan. It's like, get to go get something for Aunt Susan. And if you don't wanna do it, just take her off your list. You're getting a card this year, you know what I'm saying? You get a picture of our kid and a letter about what happened all year, you know what I'm saying? Anybody write the Christmas letters anymore? I miss them days. I used to get a lot of those back in the day, but I don't think we do them anymore because basically our Christmas letter is our whole year of Instagram. So anyway, moving on. All right, let's jump back into Acts chapter 9. Have you appreciated the Book of Acts series so far? Man, we started this on Easter Sunday. We're not even halfway through the book of Acts, just so you know, but there's something about slow working through the Bible. Last week, Stephanie crushed it with this message about Saul's conversion and really the transformation of Ananias too and what God did in both of their lives, Saul converting to faith and Ananias being transformed to help lead someone to faith. And man, God did something in both of those men in that text. And then the question I ask with a major conversion like that is what happened next? You know, in the Christian world in America, a lot of times we've just done everything we can to get people saved. We want to get them to the altar to pray this prayer, and then we just check a box, and then we move on. But I'm actually a pastor, not just a converter, and so I'm into like what happens with their lives next. And the apostle Paul is who he would become, but Saul has now converted to Jesus, and I love the next passage about what happens to him, because it, it's, like, it's like up and down of being a young Christian. Anybody experience that as a new believer or, or re-passionate for God? Like there's highs and there's lows with that, right, everybody? And so the what happens next is what really inspires me in the next passage. It was pretty radical and amazing, and it had lasting impact for Saul to convert to Jesus. In fact, for centuries to come, his story of life change, uh, it's made impact on on people around the world. He becomes a primary figure of the Christian church. In fact, his, his title shifts from Saul to the apostle Paul. He gets at same status as Peter and James and John, the other church fathers. He begins planting churches and writes a bunch of the New Testament for us But the story of his transformation that we heard about, it began last week, but then the very next passage is the now what? And the the change of his life. In fact, I wanna reintroduce to you the motto of our church we've had for 11 and a half years here, but we love to say we're all about changed lives. Our mission is to lead people to be devoted to Jesus, but our sticky statement, our catchphrase, and you all need to say this with me, just say it with me if you would. We are all about changed lives. Say it one more time like you love it. Come on, say we are all about changed lives. Man, isn't it great news when God changes a person's life? And listen, we're not here to convert you to life point. We're not here to make you sound, smell, or date like us. We're here to introduce you to Jesus 
and let him change your life. Can I hear an amen, everybody? So since you brought a Bible to church, turn with me to Acts chapter 9. We're going to pick up in verse 19, uh, right after his amazing conversion on the road to Damascus. If you remember, like Stephanie talked about, he's going to Damascus to hunt down Christians, 150 miles away from Jerusalem. And the religious leaders in Jerusalem, the Jewish elders have said, okay, Saul, here's money for your trip. Here's some ropes to bind up them Christians. Go get them. Bring them back here. And they were going to bring them back to beat them, to murder them, or to imprison them, or all of the above. Like they were going 150 miles away to just hunt down Christians. You would think that religious folks would be excited about people finding God. But instead, they send their baddest and their best to go hunt them down, bring them back to Jerusalem to have them killed. On the way to Damascus, Saul is converted to Jesus. His story is like so many millions around the world. In fact, these radical transformations and what God does to change a life. In fact, I have a, a missionary friend. He's a missionary evangelist named Christopher. Uh, that's his Christian name. But he grew up in Jordan, and he's actually part of the Jordanian royal family. And he was born and raised in Islam as a Muslim. His family's all Muslim, and they're Jordanian royalty. And then he met Jesus in a really powerful way, and his life was totally transformed. I don't need to tell you his testimony for him, but he could tell you if, if, you, if you're interested. But he has since become a preacher and an evangelist and a gospel proponent and preached to literally millions of people in the Middle East, in the continent of Africa, and in, in uh, Central and Latin America and throughout the United States. I've watched him. I get his monthly updates. I've watched him preaching to crowds of over 100,000 people at a time. That's amazing. I mean, that's full stadiums full of people, right? And watch miracles happen. Deaf ears open, blind eyes. Literally, I've watched some blind eyes come alive and these people just never seen before. God's using this guy miraculously. And at the same time, his own family have had a hit on him for years to have him killed and taken out because he's serving Jesus. I've watched stories like we see with Saul who becomes a target of hits. Also, this guy, Christopher, I, I think of the story of life change on my friend Trey, who's been a part of our church for a number of years, but he came reluctantly and he came because his wife drug him to church. Trey is one of our hardened, seasoned, high-speed soldiers that's been a part of this church. And, and I remember watching Trey over the years, and his wife and my wife were friends, and, and I'd be like, hey, it's great to see you. And I'd try to give him a high five, and he just look at me. Trey was not interested in church, in the God of this church, or the pastor of this church, frankly. Like, he was not friendly to any of it. And then through a series of life-changing events, Trey surrenders his whole life to Christ. Trey, this hardened soldier, becomes a soldier in the army of the Lord. Come on, somebody. And he gave not only his life, but his career to God. He is now, as a soldier, he looks at every PCS as a new assignment from God. He got PCS to Fort Polk with joy because he said, God's sending me to Fort Polk. All y'all know what I'm talking about that have been down there, right? Well, I'm from Louisiana. Quit being a hater. And he says, I'm going to Fort Polk because God's sending me to Fort Polk. And Trey, in the course of his going to Fort Polk, enrolls at a seminary and completes a theological seminary degree and says, when I get out of, when I get out of the army and I retire, he said, I'm going to give my whole life to doing ministry and counseling to soldiers and their families. I'm just telling you, the same God that changed Saul, changed Trey, changed Christopher, and it's changing lives still today. Don't we serve a good God, everybody? Come on now. But, but here's what's different about these individuals and something that I, I find unique, and I think it's a, it's a missing part of the gospel that we preach today. And it's at this, look, a changed life is actually starts with a changed heart. Now listen, religion teaches you to change your behaviors. Christianity says God will change your heart. Religion says you change your heart. You knuckle down and you work hard and you get your act together. But Christianity says God will do that. You guys have heard me say it before when Jesus said, if you'll just love me, 
you'll keep my commandments. We've heard it. Religious attitude says, if you really love God, you'll keep his commandments. But Jesus meant it like, no, no, no. If you'll just love me, give me your heart, you'll keep my commandments. I'll change your life. How many of you know a changed life is the result of a changed heart? And that's what we see in the apostle Paul, who is now still named Saul. So what? Saul has this amazing conversion on the road to Damascus, going to hunt down Christians in Damascus. On his way there, he meets the Lord. He's brought to Ananias' house. He prays for him. He's healed. He's saved. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's baptized. All these things happen. And then starting in verse 9, it says, now for some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. Could you imagine hosting this guy? I mean, this guy literally like, has passports to go all the way through to Damascus to hunt down Christians, and now he's going to stay in your house. Mm-mm. He ain't staying in my house. Bro, I love you in the Lord, but I'm going to love you at the holiday end. You know what I'm saying? You better go. <laughs> Could you imagine being the disciple that's going to host the, this guy, Saul? You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, man, I swear I'm different. Can I stay in your house? No, you can't. You can stay in the basement, and I got a locked door and a pit bull and a machete, and I will kill you. You come at me, bro. I'm telling you, it's over. You know, like who would trust this guy in the house? But here he is for some days. Now he's with the disciples. And look what it says about him. Changed heart. Immediately. Everybody say immediately. He proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying he is the son of God. Now, I love the immediacy of change in, the, in Saul. I keep calling him the apostle Paul because I'm getting ahead. But we're not there yet. Four more chapters. He'll be Paul. Okay, now, Saul. There's a reason I start with a change of heart here, because the heart is the core of who you are. Listen, real life change is not just a change in behaviors. How many of you know that's hard and it gets old and we always give up on that? It's called uh, New Year's resolutions. <laughs> that's where we try to change our behaviors, but how many of you know March is coming and New Year's resolutions will fail? But real life change is not a change of behavior. Real life change is a change of the heart. Listen to how Jesus said in Mark chapter 7. Jesus said, out of the overflow of your heart comes your actions, your thoughts, your activities, and your words. In Matthew's gospel, he says, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. Notice what Saul's doing different. Now he's saying something different. His mouth is saying some other things. Now you might go, well, maybe he's lying. Maybe, or maybe God changed his heart. The core of who you are in Ezekiel 11 and 36, both chapters say it, God speaking through the prophet there, and he says that God will basically give us heart surgery. It's a prophetic text about Jesus, the coming of Christ, that when Christ comes, he'll give us heart surgery. That is, the, the way he says it, I will remove a heart of stone, that's a calloused heart, an angry heart, a bitter heart, an unforgiving heart, a racist heart, a greedy heart, a, a, a sexist heart, a, a, a whatever heart. He says, I'll remove a heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. This is poetic language from God saying that he'll give us a spiritual heart transplant. That's what happens to Saul. He, didn't, he no longer hunts down the disciples. Now he's moved in with them. That's a heart change. Can you believe that? That's not just, I'm going to change my behaviors. That's all of a sudden, I hated you. Now I love you. I was hunting you. Now can I have dinner with you? What time's breakfast, ma? I mean, this guy has been changed from threatening believers to agreeing with them saying, yes, Jesus is the son of God. We see an immediate change in his life because there was an internal change in his heart. Now, listen, I got to get this fine line to you. Religion says change your behaviors. God says, I want to change your heart. And if God can have your heart, he'll get your behaviors later. Here's what's interesting. For some days, he was with the disciples. And the first thing Saul says is Jesus is the son of God. Notice that Saul didn't start 
with theological waxing eloquent about the age of the earth and Reformation theology and should women preach and how old are dinosaurs and what about speaking in tongues? He didn't do any of those secondary theological debates. He got right down to the main thing. Jesus is God. You know why? Because he met Jesus and he changed his life. He didn't have any of the other things to say yet. He just had the one thing to say. God changed my life, he'll change your life. God's real and he's in the person of Jesus Christ. You heard Stephanie share that story last week of that professor who had this dream of going to the throne of God and God says, you're not gonna get to me through Muhammad, you're gonna get to me through Jesus. He wakes up and a student is in front of him the next day going, I am here to tell you about Jesus. Man, I'm gonna tell you what, you may not know what to say about all these other secondary and tertiary issues, but what you can say is Jesus is God, he changed my life and you can tell somebody that. Can I hear an amen? Saul has an immediate change of heart and we see it by his life with the disciples and now he's going into proclamation of the, of the gospel that Jesus is God. Man, I've seen this so many times in ministry. Later in 1 Corinthians 12, the apostle Paul says, no one says Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit on the inside of him that's giving him the authority to say that. There's a change in heart. It's real change at the heart level. Not We don't preach behavior modification here. We preach come to Jesus, let him change your heart, let him change your life. Man, I've seen this so many times. When God gets a hold of somebody's life in preacher world, we say, when God gets a hold of them, come on, somebody. That's something else we say, too. Come on, somebody. God changes the person from the inside. Listen one more time. Religion, rules, fear, that'll change your behaviors. But man, loving Jesus, he'll change your heart. That's what we want for you. I want to challenge you with this question. And I think I'm mostly spoke, speaking to a room of believers. I got some skeptics, some some bush kickers around here. You're just trying to figure out this Christianity thing. Here's what I want to ask you, though. Does God really have your heart? For some of you, God has your, your mind. He's got your belief. But does he have your heart? And, and let me give you a litmus test for that. How do you speak and how do you live? That's a reflection of your heart. According to Jesus, I didn't write that. Jesus said that. Out of the abundance and the overflow of your heart, your mouth and your actions come. So, so ask the question, does Jesus have your heart? When I, when I became a Christian, um, there was, we, we sang different worship stuff back then. It was very like heart forward. It was very devotional stuff in worship back in the late 90s. We call that the year of our Lord, 1900s. Come on, somebody. Y'all remember the 1900s before smartphones and constant anger? Y'all remember them days? Y'all remember cassette decks in your car? You remember the repeat feature on a Walkman, everybody? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And I remember as a young Christian, I was a musician, I was a singer, and I remember being introduced to some of the, the worship music at the time. There was a band that had come out introducing electric guitars to hymns, basically. It was, it was like a radical shift in Christian music and worship when we can sing worship with guitars. It was a band out of England called Delirious, and they had this deep tracks, what I call it. It was actually like track number six. But anyway, um, it was deep for me, and it was just the acoustic guitar and Martin Smith singing this lyric. Lord, you have my heart, and I will search for yours. Jesus, take my life and lead me on. Oh, Lord, you have my heart. Y'all remember that song, anybody? And I, I just remember back then, you know, you'd sing a worship song forever. Because they came out with that song, I could sing of your love forever. And I'm going to prove it. So we're going to sing this thing for 48 minutes. You know what I'm talking about? Just over and over and over. Y'all remember them days? You just see it's like 7 p.m., y'all. We started at noon. What's going on? 
I could sing of your love. The other song, better is one day in your court. And I'm going to stay here for the whole day. Thousands elsewhere, better one day. Anyway, I'm off track. This ADD, I got to eat. Listen, but I just remember that heart, that, the, the first two songs that I remember, like the first song I ever sang in worship as a guest singer for someone was, this is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart. I worship you. First time I ever sang in front of a church was that song. I'm just telling you, there's something about letting God have your heart. I just want to ask you, does he have access to your heart really? And the test is how you live in. Like all of us are saved acting at church. I'm talking about all the time. And and here's a question that you can ask. Does, Does your life with Christ look any different than your life before Christ? Proof of a changed heart. He went from kicking indoors to preaching inside them doors. He went from hating Christians to sleeping in the same house with them, having meals with them. I mean, that's an amazing change. He went from saying, I'm going to find you, hunt you, and kill you to preaching Jesus is God. Does your life with Christ look any different than your life before Christ? It's a matter of your heart. So I want to challenge you this week, every day, to tell the Lord, God, you have my heart. Okay, you got my belief. You can have my calendar, God, I'm, I'm giving you tithe, I'm giving you time on Sundays. But Lord, I want to give you my heart. I'm going to tell you what, man, the world is vying for your heart big time. This world wants your heart and your passion so much, but God wants your heart. And if you'll bring your heart to him every day, I'm telling you, man, he'll change you like he did Saul. Now, it's interesting. Are y'all, y'all hearing what I'm saying so far? In fact, Pastor Elmer, I want to put that song, Lord, You Have My Heart, from Delirious, circa 1996, uh, on our social media this week. I want you to pull that down and just... Loop it in your heart for a week. Just listen to this song for a week. It's powerful. So, so God gets a hold of his heart. And now listen, God got his heart, but God didn't get everybody's heart that knows him. <laughs> Watch the next thing. So all who heard him were amazed. And they're not like, wow. They're like, what? That's the kind of amazement we're talking about here. They're going, whoa, wait a minute. They said, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of everyone who called upon the name of Jesus. And has he not come here? Remember, he's in Damascus hanging with the disciples that he was hunting down. And he goes, has he not come here for the same purpose, to bring us bound before the chief priests? Listen, God may be doing something great in your life, and other people just may not get it yet. Some people might not like the change God's doing in you. It's an amazing work that God's doing. And guess what? Some folks may remember your past, your rap sheet, your reputation. They may have seen your Instagram last week. How they accept God's work in your life is not your problem. You stay focused on the Lord. And if they don't understand what God's doing in you, don't get discouraged. Don't hang with those people for long because you will get discouraged. But you keep your eyes on Jesus and let him have your heart, let him change you, let him shape you. Christians, we're so bad at this. We love reminding people of how bad they were. But we need to stop doing that and start realizing that God may be doing something. He may be pacing them different than he's paced me. They may not be far along in the journey as as you are. But man, let God have his way in some people's lives and quit reminding them of their past. Man, I remember as a young Christian... I, as a young Christian, I had friends just waiting and watching. I had a buddy named Gary. We worked together uh, my senior year. And I remember Gary, I was trying to bring him to church and witness to him. And I remember Gary just looked me flat out. He just goes, bro, I've seen this before. It's a phase. And I'm going to wait and watch you phase out of this. 24 years later, sucker, where you at? <laughs> phase, nothing. In fact, Gary and I have been, like reconnected on social media and he watches our services now. So booyah in your face, Gary. 
But Gary didn't get it. Gary was watching because Gary and I used to party together. Gary knew before Jesus, Mike. How many of you got friends that knew before Jesus you? You roll around at your 10th anniversary or reunion. Some of y'all 40th anniversary reunions, you know, and they're like, what happened to you? And for you, you're like, oh, I met the Lord. And they're like, no, really, what happened? Because they don't get it. I remember my, uh, I had been saved a long time, like a month. And <clears throat> remember I became a Christian my senior year of high school on Halloween. So it's fall time. And I remember it was like a month later, I'm going to school and it's gross weather like Seattle, you know, misty, gray and cold and funky and nasty. And uh, I say that now with all spiritual maturity. But I remember then I went to class and there was these two girls that were friends of mine from the youth group, Linda and Carrie. And Linda's the one who invited me to go to church for the first time when I gave my life to Jesus. And I remember we came into class and Carrie was like, oh, I hate this weather. She's shaking off her coat, like, oh, so gross outside. And I go, hey, this is the day the Lord has made. <laughs> I just threw the Bible right in her face. And I was like, hey, we're going to thank God for this wonderful weather that he's given us today. How dare you? And I just pushed back on her. She goes, okay, Mike, we get it. Calm down, bro. <laughs> like, you're saved. We get it. Some people don't get, that was severe. That was my first persecution, Carrie. God bless you. Some people may not get what God's doing in you like they didn't get what's going on in Saul. Stay focused on the Lord. Watch this. Verse 22 says, but Saul increased all the more in strength and now confounding the Jews. Remember the Jews that sent him to Damascus to hunt down these Christians? Now they're like, what happened to this guy? Can you imagine the email reports, right? Like, oh, Saul landed in Damascus. We should have some, some Christians hunted down real quick. Two days later, they get an email report. Saul's preaching the gospel to these people? What? I mean, he's confounding. I think that's brilliant. He's confounding the Jews. He's bringing confusion and he's proving. He's not just preaching it, but now he's proving it. How could Paul, Saul, gosh, I got to call him by his name. Saul proved that Jesus was the Christ because he was one of the smartest guys. He knew the Old Testament prophets. He knew the promises of Messiah better than all these folks. And now what he's doing is he's taking everything he had in his past life before Jesus and he's bringing that into the new life with Christ to go, man, this is why God taught me this stuff. All these things that we've been hearing for centuries, guys, is proven in Jesus Christ. He's proving that he's the Christ. Listen, I love this. He was changed. He's living different. He's speaking different. He has a new friend group. He's preaching. He's humbled. He's all in with Jesus. I'm telling you, a changed life is a changed heart, and that's what God wants for you too, that our lives are marked different because we now belong to Jesus. Can I hear an amen, everybody? So a changed life will change your heart. But how many of you know a changed life will be tested? Not everyone's gonna get what you're doing. Not everyone's gonna get what God's doing in your life. Watch this, the next text moves on to verse 23. Now, when many days had passed, we don't know how long that is. It could be months, weeks, years. We don't know. Many days had passed. And now the Jews had plotted to kill him. So remember the Jews had sent him to kill others and arrest others, now they got a hit on the guy. They are plotting to kill Saul. But their plot became known to Saul, and they were watching the gates day and night in order to try to kill him. But now some of his disciples, this is how long he's been there, now he's got disciples. Some of his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in, lowering him in a basket. It's like, it's like going from the prince of the palace to like ducking out in the trunk of a car to get out, to escape. He has gone from the highest to the lowest. But man, these people 
are testing Saul. Now they want to hunt him down. He goes from the one hunting people to being hunted. Not everyone agreed with his life change. Not everyone agreed with the message he was preaching. Man, and I wonder if even the people that were in his entourage before are now the very ones hunting him. It's crazy to think that he had to go into hiding because he had gone all in with God. How crazy is that, right? I mean, those of us with a Christian witness, we like, we want people to give their lives to God. But I'm telling you what, a changed life will be a tested life. I'm sure none of you will be shocked by this, but not everybody's gonna agree with what God's doing in you. When life change happens, people will question it. Jesus said, you will be persecuted for following him. He said the world is evil, that, that people are gonna come after you. And he said, there's a blessing attached to persecution. And listen, persecution is not abnormal. I wanna challenge you to understand that our lives are spiritual. And listen, when we say yes to serve God and live for Jesus, the devil hates you, his demons hate you, and they hate the God that loves you. And he will use your friends, he'll use your colleagues, he'll use your family at Thanksgiving to come against what God's doing in your life. I've heard it said before, when you say yes to Jesus, you become a target to the devil and all of his demons to come and attack you. Now listen to what I say here. If you're not under attack, maybe it's because your faith is not a threat to him. Man, when you're taking ground for God, you better know there's some persecution coming. There's some attacks coming your way. I think about it as a pastor of this church. We've taken shots for years over what God's doing through this church. If you're not under attack, maybe your th faith is not much of a threat to, Jesus, to the devil. Serving God has cost me plenty. This week, it's cost me. But I'm telling you, it's worth it every single time. It's never a pastor's dream. It's never a Christian's dream to come under attack. I mean, can you, can you imagine that in the sales pitch of Christianity? Come to Jesus, he'll save your eternal soul. You'll live with God forever. And probably half your family will abandon you. They'll think you're weird. Your friends won't invite you to your poker night anymore. And you may be like killed, like murdered for your faith. It's an awesome life. Come along. Nobody signs up for that part of it. But I'm here to tell you, it's a spiritual life we live and the devil hates you because he hates God. Right now around the world, Christian persecution is the highest it's been in our lifetimes. And your walk with God will be put to the test. You've been, you, you have to be ready for that. And listen, if you're being tested, you will survive the test. You know why? Because greater is he that's in you than in this world. And listen, if you're being tested, it means God sees some things in you that he's building in you. Stay focused on the Lord. You're going to make it. Now, you might not have somebody trying to kill you like Saul did, but there are plenty of Christians in our world right now whose lives are on the line. The underground church in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in China, places around Russia. There are places in this world right now where being a Christian will get you killed. 3,500 Christians were killed in one nation in Africa last year because of the profession of faith that they have. You know, when I talked about the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch a few weeks ago, those Coptic Christians of that part of Africa, now they're being murdered on video by people because of their faith in Jesus. You may not have that happening to you, but you might have family disown you. You may have friends walk away from you. You may have people at work that think you're weird now and you've sold out to some religious cult. <laughs> One of my favorite things is when people start coming to church like from other states, and, and I've heard this literally multiple times, and maybe you're watching today and this is your story. One of my favorite groups is we have this Portland campus of ladies that watch us every week. And the reason they started watching is because the lady that was coming here, her husband gave his, her life to, his life to Jesus here, and they were nervous that it happened too quick, and they were like, that must be some weird cult. So they started watching our church to protect him, fell in love with Jesus in our church, and they're like, that guy's awesome. And so they started watching. Now they're our Portland, Oregon campus. Come on, Oregon. We love you. But we've had so many people that think, like, because of the radical change in people's lives, they go, they can't, they can't, that's got to be a cult thing. So then they start watching LifePoint, and then they get saved, too. It's awesome. 
But there are going to be people that think you're weird. They don't get it. Friends will stop inviting you. But listen, here's what Saul understood. What was ahead of him was greater than what he was leaving, and it was worth it. And he may be canceled by others, but man, he wasn't being set free from God. And what God has in store for you, I promise you, is greater than what it costs you to follow him. Listen, God changes hearts and changed people will be tested. But how many of you thankful that changed people need encouragement? I'm about to preach my guts out right now. Y'all better get your amen shouting cloths out, get your hankies ready. I'm about to bring it. I ain't playing around. This is third service, y'all. We about to go. Watch what happens. So when he had come to Jerusalem, now the the Jews are plotting to kill him. So now he's on the run. He's a fugitive. He's Harrison Ford, y'all. When he come to Jerusalem, he attempted to now join the disciples at Jerusalem. Remember, he'd hang with the disciples, thank you, in Damascus. Now he's come to Jerusalem thinking, I'll find respite in Jerusalem. So he tries to hang with the disciples. We're talking Peter, James, and John. Should have the heart of Jesus. Uh Uh-uh. Watch it. He tries to hang with the disciples in Jerusalem. They were afraid of him. And they didn't believe that he was really saved, that he was really a disciple. Can you imagine Saul coming to Peter's house? Hey, man, look what the Lord has done. And Peter goes, I don't buy it. Go to James' house. Brother James, you ain't my brother. Like, they were afraid of him. Get out of my house before I shoot you. I swear I'm calling the cops right now. Go away. I don't believe it. So he tries to find friends with the disciples of Jesus. Can I tell you, sometimes people close to Jesus don't remember the heart of Jesus. Come on, Christians, you need that. They were afraid of him. They didn't believe that God changed him. Some of us are so good at just telling people why they ain't saved enough. Stop it. Anyway, let's move on. Verse 27, but Barnabas. Everybody say, but Barnabas. Say it again, but Barnabas. Say it like you're excited. Oh, but Barnabas. Whatever, like we need to bring that name back into baby naming. In fact, look, if you have a baby this next year, if you name your son Barnabas, I will give you $20. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Just a nickname. Call him Barney if you want. Call him Bus. I don't care what you call him. Barnabas. This is one of my favorite stories. Watch what happens. But Barnabas took Saul. Man, you can't go to Peter and John's house, you big dummy. Come on. Barnabas took Saul. Watch this. And he brought him to the apostles. How many of you know Barnabas knew the apostles? Barnabas knew how to speak to the apostles. He goes, Saul, come with me, man. I got you. I'll make a way for you. Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, and Barnabas declared to them how on the road Paul, Saul, had seen the Lord and how God had spoke to him and how at Damascus Saul had preached boldly in the name of of Jesus. I'm telling you what, Barnabas took him in. Barnabas shared Saul's story for him. Barnabas vouched for him. He promoted him to the other disciples. He made a way for him to get involved in the church. I don't know about you, but I need some Barnabas in my life. Barnabas became this pivotal relationship in Saul's life. By the way, spoiler alert, guess who becomes the best friend of Saul? Peter, Barnabas, ding, 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 ding. Why? Because Barnabas became the best friend, the encourager, the you can do it. Man, I believe what God's done in your life, Saul kind of friend. Man, I'm telling you what, I bet Saul was so thankful for Barnabas. You know what his name actually means? Son of encouragement. Barnabas means son of encouragement. That means that dude had a life of just encouraging people. All of us need a Barnabas in our lives. Ladies, you need a Barnaboo in your life. You know what I'm saying? Like we need many Barnabas in our lives. We call it Barnabai, it's plural. 
We need some people that'll come alongside us and call out the things that God has done in our lives and is doing. We need to stop being so negative and critical and condemning and gossiping. And we need to start reminding people how good God is, not how bad they used to be. Man, I'm telling you, listen, stop clapping. I'm about to preach. I totally believe we need to start speaking up and encouraging people again. We need to look people in the face and say, hey, God's got great things in store for your life. Your old life is gone. Your new life has come. You're not who you used to be. You're a new creation. I believe in you. I see the hand of God on your life. I see the call of God on your life. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. You're amazing. You're going to make it. You're an overcomer. I love you. I love you. I believe in you. We need some Barnabas in our lives. And hey, we need to become a Barnabas in somebody else's life. You know how Saul endured being tested? Because a buddy showed up. He didn't go to God and say, oh God, nobody believes in me, Lord. God's like, shut up, man. Here's a friend. (laughs) You need a friend like that. Can I tell you something? Some of you are so trapped in the negative cycles of your news feeds and your national news and your social media. And man, so many of your friends are Eeyore's. Well, can you believe what they did in Washington? Did you watch what happened on Fox News today? Oh, bother. Did you read the latest from CNN? Oh, bother. Hey, man, you want to come to church with me? Well, it's raining outside. What times and start, oh bother. Man, y'all need some tiggers in your life. <laughs> You're gonna make it. It's gonna be a great day. Everything's gonna be okay. Man, get the Eeyores out of your life. I'm telling you right now, you need a Barnabas in your life. You need to become a Barnabas. Stop being a critical cancel culture native. Like, stop that stuff. Lift up the name of Jesus. Call out the greatness in other people. This isn't just power positive thinking. It's confession of the Bible. You are the apple of God's eye. You are better than this world has to offer. Greater is he. I'm going to encourage you right now as Pastor Barnabas right here. Look at me, church. God is for you. Who can be against you? This world is not all there is. You're going to make it. God's with you. He's in you. He's for you. His spirit dwells in you. You're an overcomer. You don't have to be bound by your past, your parents' generational stuff. You don't have to be given to addiction anymore. God has his hand on your life. You're going to make it. I love you. Man, I love you. I believe in you. I'm for you. If you need a little encouragement, just roll up here at the church one day. We will encourage you. You need to get away from them Eeyores. If you're an Eeyore, don't call me for a month. I'm not going to answer. Well, Pastor, everything's terrible. Got my face. Go hang out in the woods by your dang self, Eeyore. You know what I'm saying? I need some tiggers in my life. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Hey, East Valley Dream Center, I want to talk to you for a second. We got a campus in Chandler, Arizona. It started out in a storefront just serving the hungry and serving the needy and serving with food and meals. And it has grown into a a church and a campus. East Valley Dream Center, I just want to tell you something. You're amazing. We love you. We believe in you. We think you're doing awesome work. You're taking ground for the kingdom of God. Don't back down. Don't get pushed over. Don't get discouraged. God is changing lives in you, with you, and through you. And we love you. Come on, somebody. Let's go. Hey, church, guess what the best place for you to find a Barnabas is? 
Oh, you better act like you've been to one. What's the best place to find a Barnabas? If, don't say church. We in church. Thank you, small group. Give that person 20 bucks. Small group. It's, it's like built-in encouragement. This is the best time to join a small group too because it's holiday party time. Are you kidding me? You need to find a small group with the best cooks. I got a few of y'all names on my hit list. I'm going to be visiting pastoral visits. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're talking like sweet potato pie, apple pie. God loves a good apple pie. You know what I'm saying? You need a small group because the enemy will drag you in a corner and make you think that God didn't really change your life because you blew up at your, your kids again because you, you lost your temper and God's mad at you and he's tired of you. And look at, you think you're serving God. Look at you now. You need some encouragers to go, hey, yeah, I snapped at my kids too, but bless God, he's better than that. And he's going to help me not snap at them next time. You need a Barnabas to encourage the fire out of you, to keep you encouraged, motivated, looking ahead into this amazing life we have for Jesus. Come on, Lord, you have my heart. Now, Lord, send me a friend. Okay, I'm fired up now. I got to finish this sermon. Now the keyboard guy comes out. I should have had him the last like five minutes. I want to do life with encouragers. Let's go. We need each other. Kick the devil in the teeth. Take on hell head on. Let's invite people to the greatest family the world could ever know, the family of Christ. Amen, everybody? So Barnabas comes alongside Saul and goes, no, 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 I got your testimony, bro. I got you. I love what God's doing in your life. Finally, and this is going to blow your mind. Y'all ready for this one? I saw this in the text. I was like, come on. Final thing, change people, change people. God wants to use what he's done in you to bring change to other people. Changed people bring change to other people. Watch this. This is going to wreck your world. How many of you think our world's messed up right now? Hello, anybody? Come on. Don't be an Eeyore about it. Be like, yes, it's messed up. You're right. Like, tigger it up. All right. Watch what happens. Saul got converted, Saul got baptized. Saul is getting like up and down with the disciples. Some of them are afraid of him. Some of them don't know what to do with him. Barnabas comes along, encourages them. Now watch this. So the church throughout all Judea, by the way, it says Saul went on to preach like crazy. He's teaching everywhere. So now the church throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. Let me just give you a geography lesson here. Stephanie showed you a map last week. The Galilee is the sea of Galilee. 70% of the ministry of Jesus was in all these towns around Galilee, Capernaum, Tiberias, all these cities. Judea and Samaria is like the two states of Israel, the north and the south. Here's what he's saying. The church throughout the whole nation found peace. Remember what the people in Damascus said? Isn't this the guy wreaking havoc on all of our churches? Here, watch this. When God saved Saul, the nation changed. When God saved Saul, the impact of taking a murderer and a terrorist and getting him turned on to Christ brought peace for the whole nation, all the regions, the Galilee, Judea, and Samaria. And look, now walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church grew like crazy, it multiplied. Here's what I'm telling you. Saul was so transformed, it literally changed the landscape of the city of Jerusalem, the region around Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the cities of the Sea of Galilee. The very towns he was terrorizing are now being built up. Why? Because the terrorist got saved. Somebody listen to me. If you think our nation is jacked up, 
pray for the people of our nation. Stop praying that the systems change or the government change. Listen, we need to pray that the people change. If you think your business is messed up, pray for the people in your business. If you think your company or your platoon or your division brigade is jacked up, don't ask to be transferred. Pray for the people in your company and the brigade to be changed. If you want hope, joy, and peace in your family, don't try to go find another one. Pray for the people in it that God transformed the Saul's in your family. They begin to walk in the fear of God and the comfort of the Lord. I'm telling you, listen, I said this a couple weeks ago, Jesus didn't die to save Babylon. Many of us have gotten our whole mindset wrapped around this idea of what God's gonna do to change America, save America. Jesus didn't die to save America. He died to save Americans. He didn't die to save Canada, but Canadians. He didn't die to save Iraq, but Iraqis. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? When God gets the Saul's, then the Saul's change the nation. So if you wanna see God change this country or start with this city and this county, pray for the people of this city and county. Never will government change the hearts of people. God changes the hearts of people. And changed people change people. The nation experienced peace because the greatest terrorist got saved. I'm way more excited than you. That's amazing. So the church began to walk in the fear of God. They began to walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They weren't afraid of being attacked or having their churches busted in and their friends arrested. The church grew and multiplied. Can I tell you something? Listen to me, church. I wanna see revival hit our nation so bad. I wanna see the church. Here's, here's what I, I'm not praying that God changed DC. I'm praying that God changed Washington DC people. I'm not praying for God to change America, but Americans. And you know what'll happen? The church will thrive and explode and grow like crazy. Here's what I believe, God will win. God will grow his kingdom. You and I need to pray that God breaks through in the lives of Saul's all over the place. I love how Stephanie said this last week. She said, we cannot forget to keep praying for Saul's. A lot of times we pray for those Saul's persecuting. We pray for victims of human trafficking. I'm also praying for traffickers. We pray for victims of abuse, and we should, but also pray for abusers to get saved and turned on to Jesus. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So we're gonna pray and believe that God will invade our hearts. Like I said at the beginning of this message, does he have full access to your heart? We're gonna pray that God gives us the strength to be tested. I'm gonna pray that God send every one of you a Barnabas in your life this week and that you become a Barnabas to somebody else. And then we're gonna pray for God's kingdom to advance in us and through us. Y'all get enough sermon out of this message today? Come on now, let's stand together and pray. Can we stand together at every location? Let's pray this prayer together. Father, in Jesus' name. Oh God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you did in Saul. I thank you, Lord God, that you'll do it in us. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name for life change and transformation and absolute heart change and transformation today. Can everybody just open their hands to God today? Come on, wherever you're standing, watching, online, joining us in any location, just open your hands to God. Pray this first and mean it. Say, God, I believe in Jesus, that he changed my life, that he died for me so that I can live for him. Say, I confess my sin, I repent, I go all in with Jesus today. Say, you died for me, I will live for you in Jesus' name. Now pray this with me, and I want you to pray this every day this week. Say, Lord, you have my heart. Come on, say it again. Lord, you have my heart. God, you've had my hands, you've had my belief, now you have my heart. Change me from the inside. 
Say it again, God, change me from the inside. You have my heart in Jesus' name. God, I pray for the endurance for this church. I pray for the endurance of our people to endure testing. God, people won't know, they won't understand what you're doing in us, but God, we are a peculiar people. We're different, and Lord, I thank you that you will give us the strength to endure the testing that's coming. I believe you for it, God. We're gonna pass the test. We're gonna survive it. We're not gonna quit on you. We're gonna stay faithful to you. Lord, I pray everybody in this church, everybody hearing me preach this word would have a Barnabas sent into their lives. God, I pray that we would turn off and unfollow and get away from Eeyore's and critical people and whether it's in national news or on our social media feed, God, I pray that we get away from that. Lord, we would embrace Barnabas personalities in our lives. In Jesus' name, Lord, we commit to becoming a Barnabas for somebody else. God, this week, put it on our heart every day to call somebody, text them, to encourage them, to let them know we love them, we're for them, we believe in them. And Lord Jesus, God, we thank you so much that as you've changed us, you're gonna change others and changed people change the world. Lord, our nation is gonna be different because Jesus, you're gonna win the hearts of people around our nation. God, we pray from Washington to Clarksville, Tennessee, everywhere in between, Lord, that you would change people. Let the church preach the gospel. Let us rise up with a prophetic word for our nation that, God, it would be a message to the people to go all in with Jesus. And, Lord, you would change the hearts of souls all around our world. And change people will change the world. We love you for it, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Come on, can you say thank you, Lord? Let's give him honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.